Hey guys, welcome to Electronic Dance Money, your number one business resource for making money as electronic musicians and producers. All right, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Electronic Dance Money. I'm your host, Christian Casido, and we got Alex Wayman back in the episode. This was last time we did an episode, I didn't even have 10 episodes out. I think it was actually because this is episode 97. Shit, I think it was like episode 96 or 95, I think, that you and I did our first episode. 96 or 95 i thought it was like way oh sorry sorry i'm sorry i'm in i'm in episode six or episode five sorry i'm on like 90 i think this is episode 97 so i think when we did it it was like episode five or six and that's how we wow. met was through the podcast and that's we were talking insane. about uh record yeah it's been a fucking minute that was 2019 that's 2019 yeah, definitely pre-pandemic. That's crazy. Yeah, it was it was before the pandemic. And then I saw you again the first time we met actually in person was when you were playing in Austin literally like 2 weeks before. Wow, I do remember that. That's down. a throwback, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a blast. So, um but yeah, it's been a minute, man. So, we're going to be talking about some tour managing stuff because you have you just ended a tour that you were on with Jason Ross where you were the TM for. So we're going to jump into that world, what that's like, how you got involved in that. But before we do that, since it's been a while and I definitely have a lot more listeners now than I did on episode <laughs> five or six, let's go ahead and jump back into your story again why don't you uh refresh the listeners about you know how you got involved in electronic music um and then obviously i mean how you got involved with running a record label and i mean getting into tming now yeah man definitely uh gosh digging back into the past it's like so far back there now um yeah i guess i really got started uh in the electronic music world when i Uh, I mean, I've been producing music for a long time, just by myself for fun. Um, When I was in college and a little bit after graduating, I DJed around some nightclubs in the Seattle area. Um, I was producing music at the time. I had a couple of residencies, you know, trying to grow the artist producer brand, as many of us uh, and many of your listeners probably are doing um, or have done. And uh, that kind of led to getting my foot in the door with the right people. I began networking with um, different folks at the at the nightclubs, at the music venues, within artist management teams, other artists as well, of course. Um, which sort of over the course of like two or three years allowed me to step into a paid role uh, within a nightclub setting where I was working with. Um, sort of like the back and back of house hospitality artist relations team. Uh, You know, over a few years of doing that, I became very acquainted with uh, touring personnel just because of uh, the nature of the job, advancing shows with them, doing all their production, setting up their green rooms, um, merch and all that fun stuff. Um, I was able to get some good connections there. And, um, Around the same time as I was doing all of that back of house artist relations work, I 
also started my record label, Storytime Records. Um, we've been technically in business for probably like 10 years. We used to do underground raves and like parties in Portland, Oregon, which is where I first went to college. Um, and since then, we've developed into uh, you know full distribution for music artists. We do events still. We do takeovers. We have some events coming up this year we're working on. We do merch. Uh, we do, of course, the Storytime Studio workshop series where we do um, music industry networking events, which you have been an integral member in helping create that. Um, it's a great place for all kinds of music folk to come together and network. Um, it's the first Wednesday of every month on our meetup page. Um, that that meetup group is so interesting because we started it like it was in September, I think, of 2020. So we had known each other for about a year and you brought the idea. I was like, I like that. And it's really interesting the amount of people that have run through that group that have met each other, that have connected and like we never hear from them again. But we know they like connected within this group that they're now working together in. So and I mean, even I I've gotten clients through and stuff. So it's would you say I mean speaking you know, we're talking about the digital side of networking just jumping in a zoom chat because that's really all it is is you download zoom you jump in we all hang out for about an hour hour and a half and chat um deal with any questions or issues people are having with but outside of that digital space of networking do you think the actual physical networking that you were doing around clubs in town is that do you think that is a a huge reason for the position that you've been able to put yourself in, in terms of connecting with certain individuals that have given you opportunities to expand either your business or again, like getting into tour managing. Yeah, I, I definitely think it has um, mostly because uh, working in the touring industry requires labor. There's a certain amount of work that has to be demonstrated, um, which you can't quite get that in a zoom chat, right? Like when I'm at the clubs, I'm working with artist teams in a very literal physical sense. Like I'm, I'm working with them. I'm carrying equipment to the stage. I'm selling merchandise on their behalf. I'm packing boxes. I'm bringing them, you know, drinks in their green room or writer items. Um, there's definitely like a performance slash service side of it that is integral to why that networking works versus like a Zoom call where we could have a great conversation, but I can't really demonstrate my, my skills here. That's yeah. Correct. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a disconnect there. There's not, you know, in people, I think definitely vibe together in person. Like they're in, the, you know, when I was hanging out at Illfest just in September, I connected with a handful of people and I don't think I would ever have been able to connect with them. Just like if I shot them a message on Instagram, you know, you're, you, maybe they'll strike up a conversation with you and keep talking to you, but there's still like that it's like almost like you're at like an arm's length away still. And there's, there's not this, this part of the physical relationship where you can, you know, the nuance of talking in person with someone um, where someone really gets to know you and your personality and your character. And they become more attracted to that than like your social media profile. Yeah. Plus like on zoom, like, I don't know if, you stink. I can't smell you. The screen. You know, I don't know what your legs look like. You know, I need to know what someone's legs looks like. You know, <laughs> what your style. Is. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I that that makes sense. That makes sense. Anyway, things like go that. on. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, how did you get? Well, let's jump into tour managing now because this is a this is kind of a newer. Is it? Would you say this is a new-ish avenue that you've been going down? Was this the first tour that you've managed? It's been, I would say, 2022. The beginning of the year was when it really kicked off. Before that, I had some experience. Like I was advancing shows for artists remotely. So I was doing all the emailing on their behalf with promoters and venues, making sure that everything for their performance was set, ready to go. But 2022 was when I started traveling with artists to other um, other states and other venues and such. What is that? What logistically what does that look like in terms of your your payment? So are you paying for um, all of your own flights and hotels and stuff, and then you're kind of you're you're invoicing that to the artist or the artist management team or agency, or is it like a part of the contract that the artist has with the venue that, Hey, you're paying for these people and their stay. What is logistically, what does that look like? Because I'm sure if people are wanting to get into tour managing, like, and especially if they're not with a super famous artist that they're trying to help manage for a tour, I mean, the logistics of that has to be, fairly complicated especially with a you know you're working with dozens of different venues owned by completely different people who manage things in a completely different way right um well it depends um i will say from the aspect of like the crew or like the tm position or any position on a tour typically um with a relatively large tour i mean there's always variances and and different tours have different budgets they work with but with what i will call a standard tour um that has anywhere from 20 to 50 dates on it uh roles like a tm like someone on the crew all of the travel logistics for them is included or is rather paid for by the artists by the artist management by the artist team it's included as a cost to that particular show. So if we have a show and we need a, an LD on the road with us and we need a VJ with us and we need like a guitar technician with us or something, typically those people will, we will pay for the travel, uh, the airfare. We will pay for hotel, whether it's a shared hotel room or a single hotel room, depends on budget. Um, and we will pay their fee. So like there's like a, uh, a work fee. Um, a rate for that person so that's on top of all the travel so the travel and stuff is all paid for they get their rate and then in most cases there's some kind of a per diem um, for food each day that's allocated to them as well it's additional money to help pay for their food gotcha okay and how many days yeah. go go ahead well i was just going to say your second question was about the different promoters and venues and so Yes, each venue, each promoter is going to have a different contract with the agency that represents your artist or with the artist directly if your artist doesn't have an agent. Um, and in the terms of that deal, it will outline certain stipends for things like, uh, yes, the promoter will include up to two hotel rooms, right? But if you travel with okay. three people, two get paid, you have to pay the third one kind of thing. So it, it changes based on what the deal looks like. Interesting. Interesting. So does that get, uh, does that kind of get complicated where it's like, well, who's paying for their own room? And I mean, is it, sometimes does it turn out to be like a, you know, 
I, I'm not, you know, I'm not speaking necessarily for you, but maybe other individuals who might want to come on to help out with the tour. Sometimes does it wrap up to being like, you know, I got to spend this money to be involved in this thing to then network some more. Or are you, is the artist working with individuals to figure out the cost to make sure that they are covered and they are getting paid or, you know, maybe they're just getting paid to work their time, but the, the individual has to pay for the hotel room. I think it, um, yeah, I mean, you have to kind of evaluate it. Like it, there's, there's not one rule, like, yeah. you know, certain artists that are just up and coming who maybe don't have those large guarantees or those large budgets but they maybe need somebody on the road with them, they will um, usually try to strike some sort of deal with the person they're bringing out. Like, okay, I'll pay for airfare, you pay for hotel or something like that. And so at that point, it's up to the person that's getting hired to make a decision. Oh, if I go out with this artist, is this good for my resume? Is this a good networking opportunity? Um, does it financially make sense? I mean, some people can afford to you know, eat, eat a little bit on the on the travel cost um, in exchange for this incredible opportunity to, to go out. I mean, people spend money to go on vacation, you know, and they don't spend any, or they don't get any of that money back. It's just leisure money. Right. So there's a certain like balance that comes with that. And it really depends on what the person's looking for. What's your experience? Like, would, do you, what, at what point is it worth going to that thing and helping and working? What, what's the, you know, what's the, what's the, cost cap where it's like you know it's not worth maybe flying out for a day to hang out for a few hours at a show and then you kind of just go home the next day yeah um, um for me now i mean um it's gonna i won't take anything that isn't paid that's what you're asking right. like i i i will i'll have to get paid but if, um, not necessarily for you but i mean even just you know a smaller person who's looking to want to get into the touring scene like I'm sure there is a going to be a point where they do have to invest in themselves and the, you know, quote unquote business that they're trying to be involved with. What, what would you say would be, you know, if you're just new starting out, would it be, you know, maybe I do have to spend a few hundred dollars for a plane ticket, but my hotel is covered. So it is worth it. Or is it like, you know, maybe you have to eat the entire cost of the hotel room and the airfare and you got to do that a few times to invest to then be a part of this team that you they can't be without you and so then they end up being like you, we are going to start paying for stuff some stuff well, I feel like, what's that cost yeah if you're if you're ever in that position um you i would I, I would hope that you feel that by you going out there and spending your own money to get out there you will have some sort of um you know maximized return in the sense that like you're going to prove to them that you're you that their show cannot be run without you and then they have to bring you out. Maybe that's one way you think about it. Or maybe you go out because, you know, you, you can get strategic with it. Like if you have a job the next day in that same city, maybe it actually works out to have them pay for just one part of it because then you're in town and can take a second gig or something like that. You know, I know a lot of people who sort of jump around with different tour groups and do that because they'll run visuals for this artist and then they'll fly to this other city and run it for somebody else and then go somewhere else. Um, I don't know what their finances look like, but you know, you just have to kind of weigh out the opportunities of, of if you're willing to get that return on the investment. 
this is where like a travel credit card becomes super valuable. <laughs> yes. If you're flying out and stuff, you might, I mean, Oh man, my Delta miles are insane. A, exactly. Get a fucking Delta card. Get it. I mean, for me, like my Marty and I, we have an Alaska card because we are only flying to Seattle or Boise and Alaska flies direct to both cities. So it's like all of our bills get put on the Alaska card and that bill, that card is paid off every single month and we're just racking up points. So, I mean, if you're in this sort of position, I mean, definitely don't swarm yourself in debt to like, think that you're going to get some sort of opportunity, make sure you're paying that card off. But this is where like miles become so important because you can use that on hotels. You can use that on your airfare. You can, and you get little special perks with it. So is that, is that primarily what you're using is like that Delta card to get those miles to pay for some of these flights? Yeah, it helps. And, uh, you know, I've had the chance recently to go into the, um, the Delta, what's it called? Um, the oh, Centennial like Lounge. Premier- the lounges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, bro. Unreal. Dude. Free food, free alcohol. Like they have like beds and stuff. Like uh-huh. it's it's insane. Yeah. Dude, the lounge life is next level. We had we went to um we went to Leavenworth for oh, yeah. Marty's family reunion in July. And we on our on our flight back, we had a layover. I think it was in San Francisco. And it was like a seven hour layover. And we had, this is our first time. I think, I think it was our first time flying with the Alaska card. So we just went to the Alaska lounge, showed them our, we thought it was going to be like $60 a person. They just let us in because we had the Alaska card. Nice. And so we were chilling in the lounge, got fucked up, <laughs> just <laughs> like drinking all day at the lounge. And then we got free drinks on the plane ride too. So it was, yeah. yeah, we just ate food, drink. I, we had drinks. I was playing like video games on my laptop yeah. for hours. Yeah, they reward on you for that, for that consistency as a customer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it was a blast. So definitely, I mean, if you're getting into that travel life, travel card is essential for that sort of stuff. Um, what, what, what would you say is like the most important, maybe not the most important role, but right now, for tours, what is everyone needing? What are you seeing in terms of workforce that people are just like, you need, you know, the visuals, people running visuals. It's a, you know, maybe it's a very specific niche thing where there's not a lot of people and you need more people getting into that field or whether it's crew setting stuff up. What's the position that you see in the touring world that people are just starving for at the moment? Gosh, you know, I've been with, with, a few different types of acts and it kind of changes based on like what kind of music you are uh, mm-hmm. performing. Like for example, DJs, electronic music, it's a very minimal production setup. You're just playing on CDJs. You don't need this elaborate production crew unless you have, unless you're on a bus tour and you're bringing your own production with you. Unless you're excision. <laughs> yeah. Excision or seven lions or Zomboy or yeah. something like that, you know, but even, even some of those guys now, you know, it's so expensive to get buses, like buses and trucks is so expensive. Uh, we were actually looking at doing a bus and a semi for this last tour because we wanted to bring production everywhere, but just, you know, the costs for the bus, um, the, uh, the driver and all the limitations that come with like the, the, the union with bus drivers um lots of liability and just like the way the routing works it's so convoluted and complex um but to answer your question uh 
it depends on the on the style of music for for djs i would say um the visual components are huge it's a huge part of every i mean you go to any club that plays electronic music there's a lot of emphasis on the visuals right they have these crazy led screens and panels with um you know all kinds of sfx kind of tied into the visual effects as well um so i'd say vjs for for the electronic world um for because i'm with a reggae band now too and we're going to be doing some some tour dates this year and we're going to be in france for a while um oh boy that dude you're gonna go to france for a bit yeah yeah I'll be there that's for sick. two weeks i think yeah oh that's gonna be awesome man yeah we're doing yeah that's gonna be like just enough time for you to get over the jet lag and then you gotta come <laughs> back and deal with the jet lag for again. real for real and it, actually we, we do it like right after we do a cruise so i'm gonna get seasick oh. and then have jet lag so good lord perfect perfect storm but like for like a live band that has instruments and it has like 32 channel inputs for all the different microphones and pedals and cabinets and things like that it's very important to have a good front of house engineer a front of house audio engineer who can mix the sound because you're dealing with live instruments it's very each room's going to be treated differently so for like bands i would say front of house audio is probably the most um needed and actually you know just a quick little shameless plug here i actually did just post on my youtube channel an in-depth video about how anybody can get started in touring like i i posted on reddit a while ago asking like hey guys do you have any questions for me i'm a tour manager in like this music industry group whatever and it was blown up with questions and so i've taken them and started making little, little videos but on my if you just search up my name alexi alex wayman and then do like i think the video is called how to get started in touring um okay i'll get that link from you too and i'll put that in the show notes for people ch uh check yeah out as well and I, I i almost answer this very same question i say how to get started in these roles that are needed right now like for example the visual work and uh the um the uh production front of house audio work yeah, what I mean, what does it take? You want to just jump into that I mean, you can be as brief or as descriptive as you want for I mean, let's go the visual route because I I would assume a lot of the people listening to this um, you know, if it, they're pro they're EDM producers, if the visual side is kind of the best one to go into, what what does that process look like? Is it just building a portfolio? Do you need to apprentice somewhere or what what's that all about? Yeah, the nice thing about visuals is that um you can get started with it pretty pretty easily in the sense of like you can download Resolum on your own computer at home. You can play around with the built-in effects. Um, you know, you can try making your own visuals, but that's kind of a separate role from the, the actual VJ position. But to get your foot in that door, the, the best way that I've seen happen is to get some sort of an internship or a job at a local venue or nightclub working in the front of house doing visuals um most electronic clubs at least all the ones that we've been to on the tour and in just my own experience they have in-house people that are treated just like you know regular staff that are dedicated to running the visuals each night and they'll you know all they do all night is sit there at the front of house board and put on visuals of strobe lights or they'll put on like dancing girl visual visuals if it's like a you know a, a a strip club or something like that like yeah or but, but what they'll also do and why it's relevant here is they will they will be there when the tours come through their venues and they will have the opportunity to work side by side okay. with yeah. the touring vj 
like literally the way at least our tour went and most tours do this is when they come into a city for a show they'll go to a programming check or a sound check before doors uh with the vj and the vj will set up in the front of house and just confirm that he has a signal that he can see all the panels that it's mapped correctly that his visuals are loading and in that process he's going to have to collaborate with the people at front of house he's going to have to ask whoever's there um for help you know with figuring out where their hdmi cables are where the cat5 cables are or the sdi lines you know if they have cameras or time code or something um and in that process you working in that venue as a front of house vj will get the chance to network with that person add them on instagram talk to them about their jobs uh you know um just figure out what it takes to be in their position and the best part is it's a new person every night because you have different yeah. bands and artists coming through so you meet one person maybe you guys hit it off maybe you don't you have another chance the next night to do it all over again no shit interesting yeah that's super easy too and i'm sure a lot of these venues are looking for 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 work and the one thing i've always talked about for djs you know if they want to get booked at a venue go to a venue and just introduce yourself to the staff and get friendly with the staff become friends with all the people that are around the promoter um photographers too you know i've had i had paxton on the podcast just um a few months ago and that was the biggest thing you know it, for artists the the most overlooked person that they should be networking with is like a photographer because the photographer or videographer is connected with every fucking venue in town they're connected with every promoter if they're constantly shooting in the city and you know they didn't just get flown out or they're just started like most of them are connected with everyone if you become friends with a photographer you can get into almost any show and that's what happened with paxton and you know i met paxton through you who you kind of just found him on facebook when you were coming to play in town and you know uh, we us three got connected and i'm hung over today because paxton was literally over last night we're hanging out watching football eating food drinking having a good time so it, you know networking with those individuals will get you it'll, it'll get you pretty far but the touring stuff it's it, do you think getting involved in venues is like a sure shot way of getting deeply ingrained in the world of you know i i, guess, I mean i guess you're mostly involved in the world of live events but you can pretty easily get a job and a career in the audio space by just working a show and like constantly being a face there yeah i would say so especially if you are not located in like a central city like if you're not in la or in, in new york or atlanta or even san diego where like there are a lot of industry plants and people that are well connected to the touring scene to the music management scene like if you live in ohio right and you have no connection or no ability to get out to um, any of these cities to get a job in the space the venue and nightclub approach is the easiest and most straightforward way to do it um to your point about uh careers in it i mean touring is a career for a lot of people but also yeah if you work front of house i know a lot of front of house um engineers vjs that are affiliated with um perhaps audio engineering or uh sound equipment companies like clearwater or oh, sweetwater yeah. rather 
And so yeah. they basically then become like the local reps for some of these large companies and they can move on to become regional managers or sales managers like responsible for allocating or selling this new speaker system to these clubs in this particular region or something like that. I've actually seen people go through that. Um, through, Interesting. I never even thought that that would be like a path, but it does make sense, especially if you have that live experience, you're able to sell that sort of stuff totally. to venues. There's, I, I will say right now, I mean, like um, with Sweetwater, for example, well, well-known company, they have, um, I believe, I forgot the term of what the role is, but it's like um, touring brand ambassador. And their job solely is to be like the liaison between touring acts and the company. So when they the company announces maybe like a new in-ear monitor system or they announce a new microphone that they recommend all vocalists use on stage, they will go to their brand ambassadors and they will then basically sell the product to the band that they're with or to the bands they've worked with or to the venues they're at. Um, and it's a pretty lucrative position because if you think about it from the perspective of the company, they're they're super central they can't be everywhere at once but they know there are people on the road with these tours that are doing this very thing in real time at shows so they bring them on as full-time staff to give them a career you know the full benefits package um social security 401k stock options whatever and they then are like the on the road representative for that company live nation does it too yeah i could see that for sure definitely with live nation interesting damn Let's jump into this tour and can we name drop who the tour was for? Is that okay? I think you already said it at the beginning. I, d- I don't think I did. I maybe I you did. Well, name. sorry if I did. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, you can say it. Well, d- d- yeah, you were touring for Jason Ross. Yeah. Um, when did that tour start? What, how did you get involved with working with Jason Ross and being the tour manager? And then I mean, let's jump into what that tour was like and, and all the experience that you gained from that. Totally. Um, yeah, it, it's been an adventure. It's been a great, I think it was like three, three and a half months worth of touring. We did Damn. 35 dates, I want to say. And it was all North America. America. We had a couple of Canada stops, um, but it, it was it was a lot of fun. Actually, another shameless plug, I have a YouTube channel uh, where I like have recap footage from all my tour stops. Uh, oh, yeah. And it's like me at sound check. It's me getting dinner with the crew. It's me, you know, getting lost in the city, trying to figure out where our hotel it's like is. vlog stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the channel is called oh, yeah. no way home. And it's like way as in Wayman, no W E Y yeah, home. I, I thought like it. it's a little, it's a little slapstick. I know, I know, but uh, <laughs> I had fun making it and I have a lot of episodes and I, I put in that not just this tour, but other tours as well. Cause I've been on a few before that as well. Um, Fuck yeah. But yeah, uh, definitely recommend if you guys want to see the the back side of the touring adventure life, check that out. Um, but the way that started the tour was I, so I'm part of a touring agency um, okay. based in Belgium. It's called Lobby Call Touring. Uh, they're well known. They represent hundreds of, of, uh, of touring acts across the world. They've done like the Alice in Wonderlands, the Tiestos. Uh, I think they did Metallica in the past. Um, they, are, they they just did Joji. I don't know if, if your listeners might know who Joji is. He's like a TikTok influencer singer who apparently is incredibly popular. I had never heard of him until um, one of my uh, colleagues at the agency told me about him. Um, but 
through that, uh, I was able to sort of network and meet the Jason Ross management team um, because they were at the time planning this tour. And part of what goes into planning a tour uh, from a management perspective is figuring out all of the tour logistics in terms of who's going to be with us, how much money are we going to make, what are what do the costs look like in advance? Like I had to create a very detailed cost analysis and budget forecast for the tour. Everything from the amount of money we would spend on hotels, hospitality, airfare, additional production, per diems, ground movements. And it had to be all forecasted based on like what I would call the current market standards for those costs. So like when we talk about if we want to bring CO2 to uh in one of our productions, we have to run the numbers and figure out what the standard rate is for something like that. Um, so when I got paired up with them, we did this whole onboarding spiel of going through the budgets, going through the numbers, and um, pretty much that was that was the start of it. Because from there, we just in, immediately jumped in to the tour logistics. We looked at the first few dates. Um, some of the dates we had, especially at the beginning, were very production heavy in the sense that we weren't playing just nightclubs. We were playing uh, hard ticket rooms where we had to bring a lot of our own equipment. So like they may have sound there, but they don't have any lighting. They don't have any video walls. And so I was responsible for contacting video wall vendors, getting quotes, hiring production staff to build the walls, to build the lighting, hiring LDs. Um, we also had to on board somebody like an LD to uh and see like what they wanted to put on the show we had to have creative meetings about like what we wanted the experience of the show to be um and then how much of this are you doing completely by yourself or do you have like an assistant that's also helping you uh what what's what's that team aspect look like so my duty as a tour manager is to oversee everything on the tour including the costs so Technically, I'm like the top of what would fall into that category of getting the quotes, confirming the, the, the labor, confirming all the run of shows and hours for the workers. Um, when it comes to creative decisions, obviously, Jason the, or the artist that's on that's heading up the tour is ultimately the one that makes that call. Um, but I may be responsible for communicating with the vendor about meeting times, about budgets, about deadlines, about, you know, if during a show, Jason doesn't like the way something looks, um, it's ultimately on me to communicate that to the person that's running the look. Um, because technically, I'm the one that hired them. I'm the one that's overseeing the tour, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What kind of tools are you getting? Because, I mean, if you're working with an agency, are they giving you any any anything in terms of like software where you're able to easily track, okay, we're going to be booking at these hotels. We're playing at these venues. Um, is there anything, any tools like that that are provided to you that you're able to utilize to help structure everything? Yeah, there's a couple of things. So uh, most agencies and the agency is separate from the management because agency will strike the deals with the promoters. Management is more responsible for like day-to-day -day operations of the artist brand. So they'll, coordinate all the music releases the marketing the pr um you know offers and things like that the agency has their own back-end system where they basically have a big database of all the contracts that are signed between 
them who represent the artist and then the promoter who is booking the artist. So in my position, I have access to that database so I can go in and I can see every single offer and every single deal memo that uh, is struck between promoters um, and the artist team, which includes the agents. Uh, so from there, I can gather things like the date of the show, the location, the confirmation about how much money is being paid, um, all the commissions, what the agreements are on the hotels, on the ground transportations, on the hospitality, if there's a support budget, if there's a production budget, um, all those things. That's where I see that info. Then on the tour management side, so that's everything like on the agency, I take that information and then put it into a software called Master Tour, which is industry standard uh, across touring, um, which is like a logistics software for touring teams. So in the software, everybody on the touring team can view it. So I can view it. Obviously, Jason, the artist can view it. All the crew members can view it. And it's where I create all of the itineraries. So I'll say, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really robust um, system. But within it, I will basically categorize every single day we have. I will say today's a show day, today's a travel day, today's, you know, maybe another show day. And within the show days, you'll have everything from the flight information. So you'll know what time flights leave. Um, you'll know the flight numbers, the confirmation numbers. You will know exactly when we need to leave the hotel to get to the airport in time. You'll see the time that the artist goes on, the time of the doors of the venue the time of a potential meet and greet or VIP package that we're doing, the time of, um, you know, when the photographer was getting there and it basically captures the logistics for everyone on the tour so that at any given time, the tour can log on to it. The two tour members can log on, look at it and quickly understand, okay, it's, you know, 1030 PM at 11 o'clock, according to the app, we're going to have a car pick us up from this address. So we need to make sure we're there kind of thing. That's literally your virtual assistant right there. Good lord. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine dealing with I mean, twenty years ago have this was not a well, I could twenty years ago you probably had to. You had to have an assistant who had an assistant in like keeping track of everything. I'm sure this software has been able to reduce teams down significantly and be able to just I mean yeah, that man, the management aspect of being like in every city, if you're like, well, we don't need these two people, but we need these three additional people because of X, Y, Z. It's just within that software. Do you get like, do they have um, specific, I don't know, maybe employment companies where you can essentially you have a content a contact built into the software where when you're going to a city, you can you know, you can reach out to this company to then get a quote of either getting labor in or getting, mm. you know, like, like you're saying lights, is that built into that software where you're easy, able to easily do that? Or do you have to just like Google search the city and like lighting and find a company okay. that you can reach out to? So, so the software does not have that built in. Uh, it's really meant to be like the tour manager myself. I'm the top level. So I put everything into there for the teams. Mm -hmm. Um, Things like preferred vendors in different cities vary because it's kind of a competitive industry. And typically the best starting place to get vendor quotes is to go through the promoter because gotcha. if there's a venue okay. in town and they do a lot of shows like this, there's a good chance they have a vendor that they work with very often who is delivers the product on time that knows the space 
that probably gives them some sort of discounted rate, which we can then benefit from. And they're probably just good buddies. You know, they, they, they know how to work together. They've worked together for years and they probably appreciate the kickback. Right. That makes sense. I could, I could, that, that referral business is super vital. Super vital. Um, yep. What's, uh, at what point do I guess what's the start of the tour look like? Like before you're even hitting the road or booking shows, like who is making the decision of like, let's do a 30 show tour. Is it the artist or is it the artist management or maybe the talent agency they're working with where they're like, what's the, that threshold of whether it's either stream count fans or Mm. you know what I mean? Like at what point do you go now is the time for the 30 show tour and what does the process look like to actually get that started and going? Right. Well, first of all, I'm not an agent, so I can't speak um, on behalf of their actual decisions. But from my experience uh, working with agents and working with talent buyers, who are the two that negotiate these things, um, it's a combination. So when a talent buyer for an event company like Insomniac, Disco Donnie, whatever, um, when they are tasked with building a lineup for a festival. So, you know, Insomniac's like, okay, guys, EDC 2024, let's talk about who we want to book. The talent buyer or talent buyers typically look at their roster of who they've booked in the past, and they look at their roster of agencies they work with. And the agencies, like, for example, the one that Jason's on, will have what they call rosters, which is like a sheet, like a one sheet, that has every single artist they represent. It will just have them in alphabetical order and they will just be outlined there for them. No, no statistics, just the names of the artists. The, the buyers will then collectively come together and make decisions based on who they think they want to pull from those rosters. And Yes, there. I'm sure there are some back-end details about statistics, but there's also some assumptions that are made. You can assume that a booking with booking Cascade, for example, is going to be a hit, right? I mean, somebody of that caliber, you don't exactly need to vet them in the sense of like their statistics, unless it's a brand new market where they've never played before, right? Um, but smaller artists, there, there's a bit of a gamble, and part of the relationship between the agency and the talent buyer is that the agent knows the value of this up and coming artist where the talent buyer may not. So the agent in their communications with the buyer may say things like, Hey, we'll give you cascade. We'll even give you a 5% discount on his fee. If you book this up and comer that we have on our roster that has been selling exceptionally well in these markets, hard ticket shows, not soft ticket shows. And you book them at this rate for an opening slot or a middle tier slot, whatever. And so these conversations happen all the time. And then based on those conversations, uh, you know, different artists can get different opportunities to perform. And then if that underplay artist does perform well in the sense that like there's good internet hype about them, um, if the stage is full during their performance, if they sell tickets, if it is like its own ticketed show, um that will then indicate to the buyer that that was a good decision and then they would basically next year or typically within a six-month window consider bringing them back to to push them back in the market and kind of grow the brand and so together the buyer 
and the agent work together to grow these artist brands because they're both making money from it. If the buyer gets a good artist that's famous and has a good pull, they make more money on the show. If the agent, um, you know, gets gets the booking for the artist, they make a commission, and then they can also raise the artist's fee because they validated themselves in that market. Damn, dude, that process is crazy. That's so interesting. The 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 negotiation tactics of an agent to be like, we'll give you this artist. We just need you to push this guy. Like, yeah, it's, it's very common. It's, it's yeah, it's an interesting system, but it makes sense. Like, I had no idea what that process looks like, but after you explain it, you know, in hindsight, it does make sense that when you have an artist that you would like to push that brand, you want to get them in front of more people, but you don't have, you know, maybe you don't have everything to leverage that person. It's like, let's cut a deal with this other one that you are going to want because they are going to fill the room. They are going to buy, you know, people are going to buy tickets and buy drinks at the bar. Yeah. I mean, so. think of them like, like insurance agents or any other agent in any other industry, their job is to strike deals. Like if, if, if the person they're selling to says no, they may rebuttal because they want to make a sale right. because their, their margins are still fine. You know, like, um, in the past I, I worked with a team, I won't say who, but you know, we booked, we booked dead mouse at a very, very discounted rate um, compared to the usual fee because we confirmed and guaranteed two two shows for him. So like we booked him at a smaller event um, under the guarantee and the promise that we would then book him for a bigger event. So out of it, he actually ended up getting two bookings and a bigger fee overall, but each per fee was a little bit smaller. And for us on the on the event company side, that gives us two opportunities to bring this act through to sell an incredible amount of tickets right damn dude that that business side the live music side of the industry is just i mean it's a completely different beast compared to it's it feels much more like product selling than you know the the day-to-day for an artist when they're you know they're writing music and they're just trying to get their music out there and they're trying to build their socials like that marketing side is so much different than the it feels so much different than the like okay now we're gonna sell this person this show this hour-long act or if you know maybe two hour long act as a product and and that that sales it's just it seems well and that's why that's why agents exist because artists yeah worry about this stuff right 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 it's it's so man yeah that's it's really it 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 feels it's a fun side of the industry when i look at that looks like fun like as an agent trying to cut those kinds of deals that seems like a lot of fun i'm sure there's a lot of stress behind it (laughs) probably a lot of cocaine (laughs) i I can't comment on that i don't know (laughs) i know i'm not saying that you know anything about that but i can i can imagine um what's uh what's the what's been the biggest learning like biggest lesson you've learned on this tour that you did with Jason? Oh, that's, that's a great question. Gosh. See, I asked you if there were good questions I should prepare for. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, These are great. These are great. Right. Like on the spot, we're getting a real genuine answer. I know. Right. It's great. Um, I mean, gosh, man, I learned so much. Like there's, there's obviously a huge, like logistical curve of learning, like how to really allocate time for certain things. Like, going into it i was i had assumptions that oh if we schedule you know a sound check 30 minute before doors or maybe even an hour before doors that would be plenty of time you know we'll get there and it'll be a quick plug and play of the usb 
but I've had shows on on this particular tour where we get there and there's like nothing set up like there's no backline or like the backline's completely wrong or the video panels are broken and so like there's a huge um I don't know logistical uh preparation perhaps is 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 one of the biggest learning curve is going into everything um being over prepared and so I will typically like schedule things earlier than needed because of things like that I mean we even had um when it comes to like travel logistics we we were coming back from montreal and um after i had learned this i booked our transport to the airport like an hour earlier and at first the, the crew and the, and the and the team's thought was like well why are we going so early like we all have pre-check like it's not going to take that long but we get there and you know like tsa is closed and they had the customs in montreal not in the u.s and so suddenly we were stuck in like a two and a half hour wait. And if we didn't have that buffer, we would have sure, surely missed our flights. So I would say yeah. preparation of that kind of stuff has been the, um, probably one of the biggest learning curves. Damn. Okay. I got, I got one more question for you. I think, um, I I'm curious how, how the fuck do you stay healthy? Cause uh, yeah. I mean, I I can only imagine it's it's got to be a nightmare going to venues constantly. The drinking is a big thing. Sleeping, being on different sleep. So I don't I don't drink constantly. on the road very often. Mm -hmm. um, that's one big part of it. I actually in that video that I I'll share with you guys later about how to get started in touring. That's the number one thing I see that help, makes people fail in, on the tour uh, is they give in to like the party lifestyle. Um, it's very tempting, especially if you're not used to being out at the club until five in the morning with free alcohol, with, you know, potentially free drugs, with loud music and bright lights, you know, and it's tempting. But how I stay healthy um, is I am very big on my diet. So I have a very strict diet that I follow. I pretty much only eat superfoods. I have, uh, I fast every single day. I will not eat before usually one or two in the afternoon and I, and I won't eat past like 10, which helps with my energy levels and, and not overeating. Um, and I also have a very strict workout routine. Uh, if there's a hotel, uh, a gym at the hotel, I'll use whatever they have. But when I'm back home, even if it's like for a day or two, I will spend minimum two or three hours at the gym every single day, getting back in shape. And Additionally, I would also include in topic of health, um, mental health, um, right. keeping up with, you know, making sure that you have positive thoughts and that you are not being too hard on yourself if something goes wrong. I mean, this industry can be rough. Things suck sometimes. And you're dealing with people that do not have the best people skills. I mean, this isn't always customer service. You know, this is like you're dealing with thugs sometimes, you know, at different venues and things like that. So you have to know how to keep your keep yourself level-headed um so a lot of like manifesting work affirmations work meditation work if that helps some people um you know i i always make sure that i have points in, in my day where i disconnect from everything and i take a hot shower and just read or something just to kind of like ground myself I, this has been such a big part of the last like three months of me just constantly talking about discipline, discipline, discipline. And it's like, it's yes, you're 100% right when you're, I mean, when you're at different venues every, you know, maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe even some Sundays and in a new city meeting new people backstage who want to 
you know, women or guys who want to buddy up to you because your friend, you know, your friends with you're working with the artists that they're there to see. You're being given free drinks, definitely the drug stuff. And yeah, just being up late, like the it's fucking enticing. I mean, I go to shows with Paxton all the time where I am in that environment where, you know, I can walk and I get free drinks. I'm hanging out backstage. I'm meeting new people. And yeah, it's tough not to be like, yeah, I'll take another drink. Yeah, I'll take another drink. And I drove there, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> and and you, yeah, and you just get wrapped up in it. And then people are like, oh, there's an after party. And it's like, fuck, we could go to the after, you know? And it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to not get sucked into that environment and let it be like control everything, especially when it's like, no, tomorrow's a travel day. We have to be up at six in the morning to get on a fucking flight and go to the next city and do this all over again. So the, the discipline aspect of being able to say no and control your shit and the discipline of having a regimen too, like a schedule that you're on. And you know, I, I, I'd imagine that gets adjusted and things can get fucked up when it's like, Oh, we have a flight this morning at six, but tomorrow we have a flight at 10 in the morning. So it's like, you know, schedules get fucked up sometimes, but being able to, um, adjust and be flexible on that schedule, but still stay true to it and stick to it. I think is probably, I, yeah, talking about not just physical health, but mental health, because that exhaustion, if, you're underslept and you're hung over all the time. And it's just, then you really start fucking up. Like you start making bad decisions. The tie, your timing decisions get fucked up. You could accidentally fall asleep and take a nap and you oversleep. And now you're not at the venue when you need to. And, j- and talk right. about the bridges burn and totally yeah, it can be, it also can hellscape a, a lot of it too, kind of uh, plays in with like the artist style. You, you know, I've been pretty blessed with Jason because, um, Jason is not what I may, what some may call like a party lifestyle person. So like we, we actually had this mantra on the road. We said it, we called it the health is wealth tour. And, uh, I like and that. we prioritized health above everything. Like we only drank occasionally if it was a special event or if we had like, like Jeff seven lions came through a show. And so of course we had a, a champagne glass with him. Um, you know, Gem and Tori were on some of the dates. And so we kind of celebrated with them a little bit, but, in general like we were very strict like we're not drinking alcohol um we're all of our rider items are pretty healthy we had like protein bars we had veggies we had um liquid ivs we had earplugs it was very much like we're here to do this tour we're here to be healthy put on a good show because we have to do it again tomorrow right 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 it's a job yeah you're not you're not it's fun i mean everything you're doing is entertainment and fun in a party but when you when you're the one doing the thing and like you have a responsibility to put on a good show yeah you got to make sure that you're not fucking around do you i think that's pretty much it man you nailed everything there's so much good information is there anything else you wanted to mention or talk about um gosh not not at the moment i mean thanks for having me and you know to everyone listening uh if you want to get into touring like it's it's absolutely doable i mean i've always been a big advocate of the fact that there's really nothing too special about me besides the fact that I just um, worked hard and had dedication and discipline. And so I think anyone can achieve it. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I want to get into touring, then watch my video first. (laughs) Self promo. (laughs) I got to do it. Listen to Christian's podcast. Then come to one of our studio uh, storytime studio events, the mixer events. Definitely not necessary. 
and then uh and then yeah just keep pursuing it and and hopefully i'll see you on the road one day hell yeah awesome alex thank you so much is there anything you want to plug any of your socials anything like that sure uh uh, yeah, all of my socials are the same. It's just at Alexi Wayman, A-L-E-K-S-E-Y-W-E-Y-M-A-N. Instagram, Twitter, I have a TikTok. Uh, my YouTube is also the same. So add me on there. I actually, oh, yeah. you know, I, I post job offers on my Instagram story occasionally. I just hired a merch seller for a couple of dates because of a story post I made. So if uh, if that's maybe another reason to follow me aside from yeah. me needing more clout and ego stroking, can't you get a job with me on the road yeah keep an eye out you might make a couple of bucks you never know but dude alex thank you so much for taking the time i appreciate it this is a blast as always and i'll i'm sure i'll talk to you soon man yeah absolutely all right take care bye